everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 552, recorded today on Wednesday, the 3rd of October, which is indeed my partner's birthday. Happy birthday, Jane. And uh, also, uh, but it's not really a birthday wishes request program. This is the music technology podcast, Sonic Talk, uh, where we talk about music technology, funnily enough, and uh, studio and synthesizers, electronic music, uh, live production, all the kind of stuff that surrounds the whole business and uh, doings of creating music in today's uh, uh, environment. Anyway, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors. Uh, um, Isotope, they're going to be uh, giving away a copy of their fabulous new RX-7, which is now RX-7, which is the Audio Restore and Repair Suite, which if you work with audio, you really need to check it out because it fixes everything. It's like magic. It's astonishing. Uh, more on that a little bit later. And I want to say hello to our friends in the chat room. This is the uh, YouTube chat room. Hello, everyone. Marshall Arnold and Alan C. And uh, your name here. Interesting. And also so those in the IRC, we've got our own IRC chat room as well, and you can find details on how to get to that, sonicstate.com forward slash live, uh, every Wednesday at 4pm, as I say. So uh, let's get on to introducing our guests. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Steve Hillier over there. We've just been, if you watch the, uh, the the show live, we have a bit of preamble, and we were talking about shoegaze and uh, cocktail twins. And uh, Steve, have you been making any ambient, beautiful ambient tunes this week, or have you been doing other uh... things? Uh, no, it's actually it's actually been other things. I've just finished, or at least I say I've finished, um, some vocal comping using the new version of Logic that came out, I think, in the next, last couple of days, and also yeah. the new version of Melodyne that works with it using a, a new protocol called ARA or ARA. ARA, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very, I think it's very useful. It requires quite a change in the approach at least that I use with vocal comping, but it, it's certainly, uh, I think it's going to speed up the process. We'll see. Although the, the thing that Aura does is it enables you to uh, change the vocal that's going into Melodyne essentially on the fly, if you like. But what that what I've noticed already with the way that I work is it means that I can now delay making final decisions even <laughs> further. And so you know, I'll get back to you in a month when this is done. Yeah. Well, you say finished, you meant actually still working or finishing. So is that, yeah, there's a difference. I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, Steve, of course, producer, educator, DJ, and live performer, songwriter, uh, um, and uh, classic Yamaha uh, CP70. Is that a CP70 or a CP80 in the corner? CP70. Ah. It, um, it used to belong to Gary Newman, actually. Oh, really? I, I bought it off him uh, a little while ago. Apparently, he only used it on uh, one Australian tour, and it sat in his garage for... I don't know, it must have been 25 years. And uh, I overheard him say this and I thought, oh, you know, man, I've got to have this. Can I buy it off you? And he said, yeah, yeah cool, come, come around. And, uh, and it's been my pride and joy ever since. I think I heard a story about that, about Gary Newman's synths from his garage, where there was a load of stuff in there that was really kind of dusty and cobwebby, had to be restored. But that's perhaps for another time. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Steve. Well, I, actually, I, I can oh, just tell you on that. You when, we, when, we, when I got this home, had, with this having lived in the garage for... 25 years it smelt like a graveyard for oh. about a year until it completely dried out but there's something nice and gothy about that which i think suits you know gary excellent oh, nice move okay and uh, also we'll say hello to mr matthew hodson who's there in uh, brighton i think Hi. you must be at the college there that's the one of the the, the teaching rooms yeah. right well, there's a lecturer yeah, I am. course director is it course director am i right with that course Course leader, but course you, you leader. Can call me director if you want. It makes me sound 
even more in charge than that. And also be. <laughs> musical artiste. Uh, if you haven't seen his videos yeah. uh, of him jamming on his modular stuff, well worth watching. I love it. Love it. Anyway, how are you, man? Oh, yeah. Very well. I'm very good. Yeah, I'm very good. It's been the first week back here for the students. And uh, so it's been a busy week so far. Crikey, it's only Wednesday. feels like it's Friday already. Um, it's been great to meet all the new students here uh, on the course and already really surprised by what some of them are doing. They're already sending me links of music that they're working on. Really surprised by that. Um, what else have I been doing? I've been, uh, yeah, been doing a little bit more live streaming. Started doing a little show, kind, kind of like, uh, like this format with a well live patching with modular synthesizers so it's less talking and more sort of patching ideas and just um just seeing what we can do with modules really it was, it was really geeky really fun and um yeah i might do a few more of those actually that's quite good well we'll put a link to that in the uh in your in the description on so people can find out where it is and all of those things and we also okay. have mr ty unwin look there he is mr ty unwin we don't see him very often because he's such a busy <laughs> media composer as his <laughs> lower third says but you're looking well looking rested and uh, uh it's, it's still light out it is daylight exactly time. most of it exactly. it suits you i know i know i'm not used to this i'm not used to not being in a darkened room uh yeah all good thank you and good not a lot to say other than just obviously too much work and that's it <laughs> that's my life too much work well I, yeah let me see you see you next time bye <laughs> i'm glad you could make it for us this week anyway so uh we'll get on we'll we'll get on because obviously the, the you know the the elephant in the room as it were i think i'm just gonna i think i can do this let's see i've just this is all we have at the moment because we've just got a load of pictures this is the news of the moog one which has more than a passing resemblance to the memory Moog, but it's also got the sort of uh, sub-37 style knobs. But it is, you know, there, much fabled and much heralded, uh, but nobody knew if it was real or not, uh, new polysynth. Three oscillators, three VCOs, each with those little... Uh, with with wave-shape variability on the regular waves. So three oscillators, I'm not sure how many... Uh, uh, I've got the list here. Three VCOs. Eight, it comes in 8 or 16 voice polyphony. Uh, three D-A-H-D-S-R. H-D-S-R. I'm not sure. I guess D is delay. I'm not sure what H is. Envelope. Hold. Voice. Hold. Hold. Yeah, of course it is. Three-part multi-timbral. Uh, four assignable LFOs, oscillator FM, premium note guitar, digital effects on synth and master bus with inventoried reverbs, uh, and, and and a bunch of stuff. Uh, LAN port for future expansion, drive support for system pre, um, preset backup, nine assignable CV gate IO. Uh, gosh, there's a lot, isn't there? And these are the pictures. It does look very nice. And as ever, whenever somebody, it's it's funny. There's this sort of sense, you know, it's expensive or it, it's not expensive. It's a lot of money. You know, for whatever it is, it's a bunch of money if you haven't got that sort of money. So I think the, there's an eight voice, which is about five nine nine US, and a sixteen voice, which is seven nine nine US. And you know, in terms of the the, synth the synthesizer market, it's definitely the higher end. And there seems to be the sense that. Uh, of ownership that it's like why haven't they made it cheaper well it's like well i know ty you have strong feelings about this but first of all you know <laughs> this this it looks like a real killer synth i mean and if they've managed to make it uh as you know 
stable and operationally brilliant as as the modern stuff and not more like the memory mood then they you know that there's going to be a lot of people desiring this so let's maybe start with you steve i mean i guess the first thing for me is a polyphonic mood so it almost seems like an impossibility because i mean how on earth is anything else going to fit in the mix or how are the notes even going to fit together <laughs> Well, this is this was my uh, initial reaction to this. I was kind of thinking that if we go back to uh, like the early '80s, people were saying that one of the problems that they're finding with mixing lots and lots of analog synths is that they all they're all big sounding, you know. And this was, uh, from what I remember, one of the reasons why when the DX7 came along, which was a lot thinner it was a, a bit of a revelation. It kind of freed up a bit more space in the mix, but it created its own problems as well. So coming back to 2018 and this machine, I think, you know, it, as a concept, the look at it, it looks, it sounds amazing oh, as in as a concept, but I'm just wondering that much Moog all in one place, it just <laughs> feels like it, it's going to be rather, un, you know, unwieldy. It's a bit like having, you know, full cream milk in your tea. I just wonder whether for my purposes, at least it's a little bit overkill in terms of the sound. On the other hand, if you're a big, you know, Moog fan and that's just what you want, then yeah, this is this could be it. But I don't know. I sort of feel with my uh, relationship with Moogs over the years, I really one note at a time is all I've ever needed. Once you get beyond that, even with um, I think the what's it, the duophonic capabilities of the sub thirty-seven, just having the oscillators playing uh, different pitches sometimes led has led to. Um, it sounded overly saturated or you lose a bit of distinction or, or, or whatever it is. I, I don't know. Um, I'd like to have a look at it. It sort of makes me feel like it's a bit like a, you know, like a sports car in the sense that it would be really nice to play with. Not sure I'd want to own it. Yeah, can't afford, that, can't, afford the, can't afford the insurance. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like one of those right. sort of scenarios. Um, okay, I'm going to come to Matt next because I know that uh, Ty, Ty especially wanted to come on because of the release of this. I know you'd probably be interested. So, so Matt, I, I mean, again, you know, I mean, it, it is a, it's an ambitious project and I really hope it's uh, it's going to work. I mean, they're going to sell as many as they need to sell. It's going to be no problem whatsoever. They're not going to sell so many to people like me who can't afford since that expensive. I mean, that's just the bottom line, but that. I might get to review one. Yeah, I'd look. I'd certainly love to look to hear it and have a play on it. Whether I would own it, I don't know. Um, basically, all the you know, if I sold all of my modular gear, I might be able to afford one of these. But then I've I've got that. So uh, for yeah, people like me, you would probably be weighing up buying something of this cost versus you know a bespoke modular system which is more uh, integral to your workflow um, i was looking at this one and instantly kind of because of its functionality and it seems to be round with loads and loads of stuff um just sort of comparing it to the kind of profits out there and the dsi stuff uh, which to me when i've used them are very much orientated towards the the keys player to get i think to get the most out of the the modern day profits and the, the dsi stuff you've got to be a keyboardist and take advantage of things like aftertouch and um you know all the modulation you can assign to the playability so i'm just wondering if this stands up on its own as one of the i mean we've got we've got a moog over here i'm just wondering if it stands up as one of those classic moogs you can go over to and just get the fat bass sound out of it without having it without having to be a player 
And you know my thoughts on having a keyboard as well. I'm not a keyboardist. So instantly, it's got the XY pad on it, which is cool. But for me, again, having some other interface, like we were just looking at the Medusa video there, and uh, it's got the grid-based layout, like you've got the Ableton push. Uh, for me, I w I'm more into that kind of uh, yeah. interfacing these days. But I've spoke about that before. Yeah, but no, what well, a fair beast. enough. What a beast. I mean, impressive project, really impressive project. And Absolutely. no doubt, I mean, they, I mean was, note that, sorry, go. If you was to say, I want a polyphonic Moog and I want it to be the nuts, they've done it. It's You've got it all in there, really. Eight or 16 voice. You've got those elephants. You've got even tied effects in there. What else would you want in there? And then you've got, of course, the nine assignable CV gates, which at this point, I don't know if you could take advantage of some of maybe the onboard uh, sequencing, step sequencing to use them with these assignable gates. But I guess we'll find out more about that as, as more details come out. I suspect so, to be honest. I mean, there's uh, yeah. one of the things that I, I noticed. I joined the Moog One because, I mean, basically the, the only place that has any assets for this is Sweetwater. Sweetwater, the only people who've written the story, Moog aren't sending it out to the press until I think Monday, possibly, where we'll have maybe videos and, and other content that will come out so we know what it sounds like. Um, so I was checking on that. And one thing that's quite interesting is uh, you can see if I bring the, uh, the web page up, obviously there's, a, there's, there's a, a, an OS and a GUI underneath it. And I think it's got an embedded Linux thing. And there was an interesting chat. Uh, I think it runs on Juice because Amos Gaines and Git Beaven were uh, talking at the ADC, which is a Juice. Uh, this is the, the, the C++ framework that you develop GUI and you develop synth stuff in. And they were doing a talk on how to develop. So I suspect underneath it, you know, running all of that stuff, as well as the analog electronics, is, is that going on? So, Ty, I'm guessing this is probably something that you... I mean, you know, you've got a Schmidt. You know, you like you liked the, the finer synthesizers in life, as well as the cheaper ones as well. And I mm -hmm. suspect this is something that might be really kind of uh, something you would like, right? Yeah, there's lots of things about this that... Uh... I wouldn't mind just having a say about, I mean, not only the, the synth, but also the perception of it, of uh, the synth and where it fits in the market. And, uh, uh, but let's, yeah, let's start with the synth. So, I mean, I've kind of, I've, I've kind of known about this now since uh, January. Um, and uh, I, yeah, there are, I, I know quite a few people that have been lucky enough to go and see it. I haven't played it myself. And um, people have come back and they go from different parts of the industry. They've all said completely unanimously that uh, this thing is amazing, that the build quality, the bear in mind, we're talking about a prototype back in January. The, the yeah. prototype is, uh, was incredible in terms of the build quality. Um, in terms of the sound that was coming from it, it was, it was amazing in terms of the facilities um and the function it it's you know it's 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 a flagship it's as simple as that really yeah and it needs to be seen in that way really it is a player synth i don't think this you know i think matt's right about that but i'm a player so you know for me it's it's i mean i decided a few years ago that every time i have a mono synth i get frustrated and i'm only really happy with polysynths and so I've kind of almost consciously stopped buying mono since um, just, and so this for me, it's, 
it's great. I mean, the, the thing is, when you do have synths like this, that they charge the price that they're charging, you kind of start to think, okay, well, what have they missed off? And as much as I absolutely adore my, I adore the Schmidt, but there are things on it that aren't on it. You know, there are things I'd like to have on it that aren't there. There are also things that are on that that aren't on the one. But um, in terms of things that they've left off the one, I really, there's, there's nothing. You know, you need to bear in mind with this thing that um, you can have it essentially set up as three completely discrete synths. This isn't yeah. three mono synths. This is three completely mm-hmm. discrete synths with their own with their own um, uh, effects, their own inserts. And we're not just talking about inserts within the synths. We're also talking about the thing that no one seems to be picking up on this. It's also got uh, hardware insert points across the synth as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can four, be plugging in your them. own... Yeah, Four of them. So you can be plugging in Moogafugas, you can be plugging in, uh, you know, kind of delays or chorus or whatever external hardware. As Matt said, combined with all the CV and gates. Um, honestly, I'm, and I, this kind of brings me to the second point. I'm not saying this is a bargain. I think, Nick, you've read my post that I put on the on the Sonic State thing about it. Um, it it's not, I'm not saying it's a bargain, but when you compare it to what else you can get for that kind of money if you were going to, you know, kind of go into the, those kind of realms of have, building up this kind of synth. Honestly, I really do think it's not, it's not bad value. And especially when two things to consider. First of all, as I, as I said, and I've said this so many times, is the fact that people who turn around and say it's too expensive. No, 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 no. Don't confuse it's too expensive with it's a lot of money that I don't have and I can't afford it. Yeah. If you, because at the end of the day, everyone on this panel, every single person, has at some stage started with nothing and built up and gradually wanted to get more synths. And we've all, I mean, I remember when I was young, I used to sit there looking at Jupiter 8s and, you know, memory moves and profit fives, dream of owning these things. But not once did I go, they're too expensive. The difference is, it's a price that I can't afford. I can afford a crap little mono synth. You know, I can afford an SH-101, but that's my limit. It isn't that the those synths were too expensive. I couldn't afford it. And right. don't confuse the two, because this is a flagship synth, and they will sell. I've got one in order. I've got a 16 voice that's going to be coming to me, which is great. I'm fortunate I can afford it. But it's not expensive. And what really rubs it home is you look at some of the really mediocre polysynths out there that are now going, vintage polysynths, that are going for ridiculous amounts of money for what are essentially very average synths. But they're covered with all the kind of the rose-tinted spectacles about how amazing they were. They're not that amazing. When you actually get down one, you take, you know, you don't plug it through any effects. You plug it straight into the desk. A lot of them are very mediocre and they are going for stupid money. I mean, anyone that would take something like a, you know, a Chroma or a Synthex or a Jupiter 6 or something like that over one of these, you're buying it for the sake of you're buying an old vintage, you know, car. You're not buying it because of the sound. You're buying it because you want the vintage. So this then becomes a bargain. And then there's the thing that annoys me about when people moan about it's too expensive. It's you've got to look at this in the same way as you view cars. No one says that Ferraris or Lamborghinis or Bentleys, they're too expensive. They just, I, you can't afford them at that moment in time in your life. If you could, you may want to get them. 
but they're not too expensive. You just can't afford them. There's a big difference. Yeah. And finally, this is my final bit. This final bit of the rant is the fact that you get people who are online being absolute complete wipes. They're absolute idiots. And you turn around, they're turning around and going, well, this is too expensive. I'm going to wait for Behringer to bring out the 1000 you know, kind of dollar copy. Oh my God. These are different kinds of instruments. If you think this is your everyday plastic piece of crap that is going to conk out in two years' time, it's not like that. If you go and ask anyone that's into the carpentry industry, you ask them how much it would be just to produce the ash woodwork of this. Just ask them how much that would be. That's going to cost more than your average cheap plastic since before you even start going into the electronics. And the reality is, is that, if you want to buy cheap stuff, and you know as well as I do, I love cheap synths. They, some of them are amazing for the money. But don't compare a, a cheap sub 600 quid polysynth with this. It's idiotic. If you want that kind of the lower end of the market, that's fantastic. That lower end of the market is there for you. You can create great music with it, enjoy it, admire it. If you want the high-end stuff, there has to be high-end stuff there for lucky people like me who use it every day and are lucky enough to be able to afford it. These need to exist. These absolutely need to exist. They are not expensive. It is simply that at this moment, these people that are moaning about it don't have the funds to buy one. I think that's a fair point. I'm looking, I'm just going back quickly to the uh, construction. I mean, it does look like it's very similar in in construction concept to the Sub 37, which I have to say is it is really well built and was, you know, as a great monosynth. I know that lots of people have them. Um, yes, Steve. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would just throw in on this, really building on what Ty was saying, that I think it's important that instruments like this exist, new instruments like this exist. They are examples of excellence and in a way the the cost of it isn't really the important thing when we view it in a wider uh, musical instrument culture kind of view if you know what I mean I I feel that for quite a while the focus has been on uh, I don't want to say cheap and cheerful but basically uh, instruments that have been defined by their as much by their compromises as they have by what they can actually do. And the fact that this uh, Moog One uh, exists, and it, not only is it a, an extension of the, the sound that's been around for a long time, but we've got um, new facilities that uh, I, I must admit, I, did, I wasn't even aware you could actually uh, have on this machine, including like, for example, the, the uh, inserts that was mentioned earlier before. This is pointing, hopefully, the way forward. And it makes me, it reminds me of when um, people used to, I suppose they still do, complain about um, Apple Macs being expensive. But then when you look at the design, when you look at what these machines actually can do um, for that price, yeah, you're getting what you pay for. And I suppose ultimately that's what we're getting here with this machine. It's, it is and very interesting. Is, so I was going to say the other thing is that I mean I know it's it's all very well comparing it with the prices of these flagship instruments back in the day, but the reality is that the if you start putting in inflation and blah 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 blah, they were way more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. They were way more expensive. And again, no one was moaning back in 1976 that a CS80 or in 1981 that a Jupiter 8 was ex- too expensive. 
They just saw them as being flagship products that we all wanted to, we all wanted, we all dreamt of, and we all did everything we could to to get. The problem actually is a cultural thing because this is a culture now where we think that music, well, no, actually, no, not we think, lots of people think that music should be free. People, you know, that we shouldn't have to pay for music. And these are the same people that then moan that they can't make a living in the music industry, but they're quite happy to take free music. So people expect things for nothing. And I think, unfortunately, I, I, no, I think you're right. I think what's also interesting is because of the sort of democratization and the wider availability of the ability to make music and uh, in many, many different ways, when you see somebody kind of play, it's the same in the guitar when you see someone playing, you know, a 1957, whatever it is, and, and, and it sounds great, you know, and it's a guitar, but people are just going, well, I've got my cheap Chinese Strat and I've got some FS. I can... I can be create more creative than that. You know, my creativity yeah. will easily will will plug the gap between what's perceived as I can only do that with that instrument. And so the the idea that you need uh, that one anyone would need or require an instrument of this quality or expense sort of feels like a um, it's something that's almost it's almost to be shot down. You know, it's not to be aspired to so much anymore. It's to be uh, and that's that's interesting. I've- it is. You're absolutely right, Nick. And I think the one thing that, I, you know, can I'm going to leave my moan about this with one simple statement is that I just remember when GarageBand came out on the iPhone or the iPad or whatever it was. And I think at the time, I think, I don't even know what you, I think it was like four pounds or something. Yeah. Was it one seventy nine or yeah, four seventy nine, something like that? Okay. And you read the reviews with people complaining about how expensive it was. Now, just think what GarageBand does. <laughs> just think. Just think. And people are complaining about spending a couple of quid on GarageBand saying it's too expensive. These are the absolute same bloody idiots that are growing up into this world now where they complain that everything is too expensive. That's my rant. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. So it's a cultural thing. But anyway, it, the, the good news is it is available. It's uh, You could certainly, I think you can probably pre-order it on Sweetwater already, and it is going to be coming out soon. I don't know how many they're going to make. I'd imagine that they'd struggle to make, you know, because usually Moog, uh, they release limited edition stuff, you know, because that means they don't have to commit to massive production runs. So I'm guessing they're probably going to be X many available, and then they'll see how they sell. And they've probably got loads of pre-orders, and it will do great for them. And I will probably get one here for review and it'll be really interesting for me because one thing i have noticed is you know there are a few differences to the regular moog to moog moog topography it's got a ladder state variable filter and a ladder filter which i like the idea of so a multi-mode filters and the ladder filter will do a 6db slope which actually is one thing i really quite like on the uh, sub 37 so you know it's not going to be just that Moog thing, it'll do, uh, it's going to expand the sound palette. And I think that's going to be the interesting part. I mean, whether or not, you know, I'm I'm never going to be able to afford one, but. Just from me, just last point for me, I'm just, I just think hats off to the company for doing this, particularly in this current climate. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of cheap synths out there and there are, you know, all the copycats and things just hats off to a company like this for taking a little bit, maybe a little bit of a gamble. I know these might not be as mass produced as other synthesizers, but this is just great to see that the, that a company like Moog are saying, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do it properly. And here you go. This is what you want. This is the flagship. And here it is. And I'm just really delighted to see that. So yeah, just, just my last point on that. Yeah, well said, Matt. 
Jolly good. Well, I, I think that's something we can probably put to bed. There will hopefully we'll start hearing sound demos and things coming up soon. So that's going to be really interesting to hear how they voiced it because I think that was probably quite a big challenge. Like we say, you know, a, a Moog oscillator is a big thing, you know, and it takes up a lot of sonic space. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how it's been done. Um, we should probably just have a little bit of a mention from our, our friends at Isotope because it's competition time and we're talking about Isotopes. RX continues RX to be the seven latest industry standard in audio repair for music and post production. Lots of and new with features. RX seven, we've introduced groundbreaking new ways to quickly and easily fix and manipulate audio. Take the game changing repair assistant, an intelligent helper that can detect noise, clipping, clicks, hum, and more. Also new in RX seven is Music Rebalance, a powerful source separation tool. Drums too loud, vocals not loud enough. Let's fix that. You can also create instrumental versions of songs by removing the vocal elements. You can now alter the pitch without affecting the timing of your audio, and conversely, alter the time without affecting the pitch with the new variable time and variable pitch modules. Using the new dialog contour, you can improve the performance of a line or even create a new performance by altering the pitch contour of the dialogue, therefore adjusting the intonation of the speaker. And introducing Dialogue Dereverb, a module powered by machine learning to reduce the presence of reverberations around dialogue. RX-7, a new frontier in audio repair. And if you want to wow. check that out, head over to uh, isotope.com forward slash RX where you can download a free demo. I, I, it's quite a long ad because there's so much new stuff in it. So ordinarily I'd be talking all over it and bring the bullet points. But what I, I took their introduction and I, I, I edit that out all the fat and all just cut it to the new stuff and there was still plenty so uh, we have a competition uh, last week uh, we asked was the first week we were offering it as a prize uh, so uh, we have a winner um, now I'm gonna how am I gonna pronounce this a winner last week so we've got uh, for Sonic Talk episode 551 uh, we have a winner called IOI flower on twitter at ioi flower that's the letter i on twitter uh they tweeted the winning entry that was picked from a random number of entries a lot of people entered the competition so this is obviously a very popular prize and so uh if you want to join in for win a copy of this for next week uh the, this week's competition is we're looking for the hashtag audio repair that's one word the hashtag audio repair the hashtag rx7 to at sonic state and at isotope inc so the hashtag via twitter is Hashtag audio repair, hashtag RX7 to at Sonic State and at Ibstope Inc. And if you uh, do that, you'll be entered to the competition. And it's well worth doing. If you do work with audio, I mean, it just, it's so useful. And, I, you know, we most of us who do work with audio probably couldn't be without it for much of the time. Anyway, um, that's what you call a pretty decent plug. So, uh, let's see. Ah, uh, yeah, Mr. Diego Stocco is at it again. Uh, he emailed me recently just to tell me about a new a video he'd been working on. I was studying classical piano, and I had to practice scales every day. But I was growing tired of it. And one day, I lost it. The sound that came out of the piano when I hit the kiss with my fist really caught my attention. It was rich, powerful, and it was different. Oh. 
It's a great intro to the video. I, mean, I know he's been working on that a long time. New website, lots of new music. Uh, and that's essentially, it's called uh, Made of Sound. And uh, it, I love that little introduction. It's kind of like, there's. it's almost like a fairy tale, that that kind of light bulb moment uh, where, where he kind of goes, this is what I want to do. And obviously, uh, there's, and the video goes on to uh, to, sh to show, I think there's like 11 new instruments he's been working on, so he's been very busy. And in the meantime, been doing a whole load of work uh, releasing uh, stuff. I guess it must be library music for uh, BMG Music Productions. So he's got like a ton of albums up there. So he's kind of relaunching uh, a, a kind of new creative phase. And... Uh, we like Diego. Diego's been on the show a number of times. Uh, he did email and say, I'm sorry I haven't been able to make it, but I'm a musician and I can't get up at that time in the morning in LA, which is fair enough. I know Ty, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's one of the kind of uh, high points in the in creative industry. I mean, what he does is, is great and he's such a lovely bloke Amazing. as well. Amazing. Absolute genius. It's, it's this kind of thing that made me get into music in the first place. I mean, I've, I've told the story so many times about how I used to just sit there with... Um, uh, before I could afford any instruments. And I used to sit there with little electronic games that had bleepy bloppy things. And I used to get things and hit things. And I had a, uh, used to get shortwave radio and just make kind of sound design-y kind of things just to kind of discover new sounds, discover new timbres. And I spend forever with all of the my instruments and sam samplers and things just trying to do what isn't the norm, just trying to move away from what everyone else is doing in terms of sound and uh and he's doing it on this such amazing you know kind of uh in an amazing way on an absolute basic acoustic level uh, honestly the man is an absolute genius absolutely yeah it's brilliant. great it's great a lot of the stuff and a lot of the stuff is very musical i know it does a lot of sounds and creates all these beautiful textures there's the new well, website's got some great pictures on that, it as well so that's the thing it's combining the musicality because any anyone can just go and make random sounds and they're fine but they're more limited what they can be done musically whereas he's got that perfect balance between it being incredibly musical but you know incredibly original at the same time uh, it's you know i mean i i stood it i've said this before so many times so i did thesis thesi in john cage with prepared piano and this is basically just a very you know kind of prepared piano but taken to the extreme and um it's great honestly had all kinds of stuff very yeah. very very clever man uh matt do you do sound design modules in your college i mean is that something that's you know how how far can your your students go or how far have you seen it go i mean is it in, in any level yeah. like this yeah yeah straight away we introduce them to trying to get them out of you know just working with the the basic building blocks of a DAW and some plugins that you've got on your computer. And we look at sound design and, um, you know, we look at Radiophonic Workshop and we, we look at Cage and, and, and those kind of artists as well and give some kind of cultural underpinning about where that, that sort of thought process has come from in the past. Um, we go out a lot around Brighton with handheld recorders. I carry one everywhere um collecting found sounds um you know and then we might come back and try and turn seagulls into a kick drum and and that kind of thing and then look you know look at all the possibilities that you've got in doing that and building your own drum kits up from found sounds um and yeah just trying to inspire them and think about things like ty said both not just in terms of the sounds you're using but also then how you structure those sounds in in a musical way as well and how you can use them um and often often i find that when you start doing this with students 
you know, little light bulbs go on because for a long time they've just existed in working with, you know, a laptop, a computer or a traditional studio setup. And then they suddenly start going, oh, hang on a minute. You know, sound is everywhere. It's always around us. There's always a possibility to to record and be inspired by something new and in, inject that into the music that they're making. Um, and it's really great when you start delivering lessons like that and, and you see these little light bulbs going off, and new sparks of inspiration. And then, of course, seeing what they get up to, which can inspire the teacher again. You know, it's, it's like a it's like a circle learning from each other. So, yeah, we yeah. do. We do it across all, all year groups. Excellent. Uh, actually, I, I think one of the one of the things about this is, you know, we all love the idea. It's, it's, it's like he's the sort of uh, aspirational kind of figure, isn't he, Diego? It's like he's the man living the dream, you know, whereas my meagre efforts are kind of, oh, I know I'm going to sample something. And then it's just like, you know, <laughs> next next time I can't actually be bothered. I'm just going to use this. You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, what's hard yeah. to maintain is the momentum to work in a unique and, and unusual way, particularly if you had the time constraints yeah. or what have you. To be able to devote as much time as he has to be able to create these uh, unique soundscapes and unique instruments. I mean, I'm guessing some of the stuff he do, does will be creating unusual music beds and, and music stuff for for, for, for syncs, for films and stuff, but some of it will go towards perhaps uh, instruments that he can then make sounds for and, and sell on in terms of sample libraries. I don't know. Um, Steve, it is an unusual, you know, what he does is very unusual and it's, it is very aspirational. Do, I mean, do you find that you're able to take it outside the uh, just, you know, experimenting with electronic music and synthesis uh, yourself or do you, you know, like the rest of us have to just sort of stay within certain boundaries, otherwise you'd end up, you know, wandering wandering around um, the house at midnight recording paperclips dropping on mirrors and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> well, we've all been there. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 that, that's not really uh, been a, a, a problem for me. I th what I really enjoy about this guy's uh, approach, this guy's music, is that it, there's a connection to the physicality of creating a sound. There's a sort of um, an energy, I don't want to talk spiritually about this sort of thing, but there's an energy to it that you maybe don't get from, you know, computers, we don't get them from computers and other kind of synthesizers. That physicality is really, uh, I, I think, I find it inspirational and it's important. But also there's a sense of um, invention, you know, so it, it's combining uh, things that you wouldn't normally expect to hear together or, or be to be combined and getting a new result. One example of this, this is nowhere near as, uh, as, as amazing as what our friend here has done. But with the CP70 behind me, um, it's basically just a piano, but it's got a whole load of guitar picks underneath the strings. So what that means is that many of the things that you could at least attempt with a guitar, you can attempt with this piano. It takes you... Yeah, somewhere you wouldn't expect. So, for example, you can use an Ebo on mm. the strings. Yeah, um, you can attempt to bow it. Well, that doesn't. Sometimes that that can work. It's it's interesting, but it's that sense of invention I think is uh, fascinating. And then, of course, the next step from there is that you've got your found sound or, or whatever. It's what you can do um, with those sources within your, let's say, computer. So back in the old days, I was, I, yeah, I did sample paper clips on mirrors and uh, I did try and turn seagulls into kick drums. In fact, if you walk around Brighton, there's so many of them, you regularly see people doing that on the seafront. But um, <laughs> it's things like taking uh, the sound of a door closing or whatever and sticking it into a modern uh, sample-based instrument like Isotope's Iris, where you can isolate specific 
frequency ranges and remove them or enhance them, and you get something that's a combination of, you know, state-of-the-art digital manipulation, but it's got that physicality of a sound from the real world, and it's... Mm. I find it really inspiring, actually. I really do. I, I'd just like to point out that turning seagulls into kick drums is uh, is a is a very highly qualified uh, contender for the show title this week. That and all that moog, <laughs> all that moog in one place, though, is another one. I'm not sure which one of those two to go for, but they're both very strong, very strong contenders. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully we'll get to. Yeah, I'm, in fact, what I've done, I preliminarily said, you know, when we're at Nam uh, in January, we'll get together and, and and do an interview there, where we're on his time zone rather than at sort of seven o'clock in the morning on a weekday, where he's probably not going to be up. And there was always problems with leaf blowers outside his windows. I seem to remember where the, where we got, but. Yeah, very cool stuff. If you want to check his stuff out, diegostocco.com. Uh, it's made of sand. It's all over the place. Uh, you can check his stuff out. Um, I guess let's have a look. What else can we have a look at? Um, maybe uh, we can combine these two things. Obviously, um, Apple updated the Logic and Main Stage uh, recently, uh, Logic 10.4.2 update, which I know, as you said, Steve, uh, you were work using recently. Uh, and these, these are... Um, it's interesting. Main stage now has got to the point where you know if you don't want, if you if you don't want to use a door, you just want a really good VST or AU host. That's actually a, a really cracking uh, uh, option now. And the update, the recent updates increase, uh, sort of bring it more into line with Logic ten point four. So there's all sorts of ways that it'll interact with it, and you know you can move stuff around. But it's interesting. We're getting, but there seem to be phases. There's a cyclical kind of thing where you get really massive uh, developments in sort of DAW and software. And then you just get get into these kind of points where it's iteration and features just sort of gradually incrementation. And it feels like we're in one of those phases, unless I'm wrong. I know, uh, Steve, you were talking about using a new workflow with uh, the Melodyne side of things. But now it's harder to find something that somebody hasn't thought of already and is going, wow, this has got to be working in a DAW. I don't know if, uh, well, Steve, I mean, you're using Logic. I mean, are there any of those in this sort of update that you kind of go, no, actually, I disagree with you there. It's a big one. Uh, no, I, I think this is more of a refinement, and it, they're certainly uh, useful enhancements. As I was saying earlier, I've just been using it with uh, so Logic 4.2 with Melodyne, both so the latest versions. And what's changed there is that you can... Um, when you're worked on a comp, working on a comp vocal, you can change the vocal take, and this will be reflected in Melodyne uh, whenever you press play. So that's a that's a big change. It's it's certainly uh, useful, but is this a big leap forward? No, I, I don't think so. Um, the changes to the mixer are really nice. So if you're if you've got a whole load of sends on a, a channel in the past you'd have to you know point your mouse at a little dial and try and sort it out from there but now you can use a fader and that's much more i think it's a bit more precise it also just it kind of feels better but having said all that i do feel that we're just on the cusp of some big changes with DAWs. I really do. I, and I, I've mentioned this before on this program, but I, I feel that we're just at that period before machine learning is going to have a huge impact on how we interact with these uh, programs. And that's going to have a huge impact on the processes that we uh, you know, use to make our music. And you can see a bit of that already with um, Isotopes Neutron. Um, but I think that's really that's just the beginning. What what I'm looking for, what I'm, I'm sure will be 
amongst the next few steps is where you make some music in Logic and Logic mixes it for you. All you have to do is set certain criteria. For example, you specify um, what is the lead instrument here, what style of music it is. Maybe you can play it some template examples of a mix and it'll take it from there. Now that might sound a bit horrifying to people who've spent a decade learning how to mix. But on the other hand, it, it means that it frees up a space in your head, the creative space in your head to, to concentrate on what the music actually is. And the technical stuff can be dealt with by the software. Ultimately. Or at least, or at least, get you somewhere that you would then intervene and, and turn it into, you know. Yeah. It's 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 the same. Would, it's, would... the, it's the sort of same thing as using templates in a, you know, you know, where you just go right. I'm doing a session like this. Bang! Yeah. It's set up how I want. I mean, in some ways, yeah. you know, if there are templates that could be automatically, and we've talked about this before, the ability to kind of go, hey, it's all right. I know what tempo this is. I know what you know. I've sorted the grid out, or I've made a grid for you that works to this tempo. Do you want me to snap it to a rigid tempo? Or are you happy with it to flow around? Those are the sort of things that but, AI yeah. should be able to help with, right? Yeah, I think I think that's true. One thing I, I want to add to this is that. Um, I know a lot of people get very upset when they think about skills becoming obsolete when you know machines take over. And I think um, one example of uh, a technology that's been around for a very long time that still upsets a lot of people is auto-tune and pitch correction in general. But pitch correction has opened up a whole new... Uh, a whole load of new people who could sing a bit and now they sing well enough to have to be on a record that we wouldn't have heard of before. Now, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But I would recommend to anybody who's still a pitch correction skeptic, there's a fabulous article, came out a couple of weeks ago, I think it's on Quietus, by Simon Reynolds, uh, who is a great writer. And he uh, does about 5,000 words on the history of auto-tune. And what one of the things that's very interesting in this uh, article is that he explains how auto-tune has uh, affected styles like hip-hop and how singers now are actually singing into auto-tune rather than using auto-tune as a correction after the event and how that's changed singing styles and and affected uh, many different styles of music my point being that these new tools that might upset people in the short term could also open up a world of uh, new musical possibilities in the longer term yeah i think it, it uh, well according to search it looks like it's on pitchfork uh, rather than quiet or maybe yeah. it was published in a couple of places i i don't know um Ty, are you? I mean, you know, we've we've been through this thing before, isn't it? You know, you get you have a DAW. You know, you you use it every day for your work. Is it something you actually want to change that much? <laughs> I mean, do no. you need no? Do would you rather it just worked no, and you can? Yeah. No, simple as it's it's it's. There's there's very few things now. I mean, fair enough. There are every now and again things some things come along that blow your mind uh like uh, melodyne's dna and like some of the um synaptic stuff uh and those absolutely blow your minds but apart from those odd plug-in you know kind of moments that just make you reassess everything the the daw itself are all i want is it not to crash to do all the things that i know it can do and do it quickly that's all I want. And uh, all of the DAWs that I now use, um, 
are they're the most important things a lot of the bells and whistles you know kind of i mean the last update of nuendo i cannot think actually and the one before that i cannot think of any of the functions of those last two updates that i've actually used apart from the fact it works with my nuage better which makes it smoother but that's one coming down to actually new functions not used not interested because it's it's like it's kind of like if you're a pianist you get used to how you play the piano or guitarist you get used to how you play the guitar if someone every now and again just kept coming and going ah oh, do you know what we're just going to slip another note in between the a, a flat and b flat between the a we're going to stick another note in because people have been calling for this you have to reassess <laughs> everything do you know what i mean it's that if someone so if someone turned around and went do you know what uh we actually think that the guitar should actually have six and a half strings so we're going to build another string across the top you don't want that you you get used to it you learn to play it that way that's what that's you want for me anyway point. that's that, that, <clears> that, that is. that's how i view it and so for me all i want them to do is make it more reliable quicker you know kind of just more stable that's all that's from, from this point on that's kind of it for me and apart from as you say these odd plugins that come along and blow your mind and yeah well they're um, extensions rather than the core functionality i suppose uh, so yeah yeah absolutely and the thing is most most daws now have that core uh you know those core things the, the one thing i'm i mean i i kind of disagree with steve in a way and that i i don't want something that's going to come and tell me how to mix it's the same way that the what's that thing uh by hex hex accords orb is that the one that it's like uh, an ai composer thing that basically uh helps you i say helps you compose basically so you put in chords you put in how many bars you put in the and then you have sliders to say how yeah intense yeah, you yeah, want yeah, it yeah, to yeah 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 it's, it's ai in composition i have a horrid feeling that daws are going to start integrating that kind of rubbish and that yeah, then absolutely. turns you know that worries me because that's the same well, way. You can have a direct comparison. Thinking. It's like, well, this is what you came up with, and this is what the algorithm. Exactly. No, we prefer look, the algorithm. You know, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but that's you, that I have no interest. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, 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 but 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 the thing with AI maybe helping with mixing, Ty. Um, we know how long mixing takes. What about having a one button press? That gets that yeah. cuts out the gets first a gain structure. Know, th- yeah, or the first three hours of getting a balance, and then you that, put on your three hours on the top. Fair enough. That that <laughs> kind of level. That okay. I'll backtrack. That kind of level. Absolutely. If it cuts out a lot of the dirty work and actually learns from mixes you've done previously, going well. Actually, we've seen that you like this kind of this plugin structure. You use this quite a lot. How about oh my that kind of thing? The, should the, the should, dirty okay. work should that be a paperclip or maybe a kind of little animated fader or? Uh, <laughs> 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 I see okay. you're trying to be successful. At okay, music. Can I help? You? <laughs> I, I think, think I think it's yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, no, what I do you think? Say, I think. <laughs> Well, we're having a delay issue here. I need, I need a, uh, I need a, a, an automated mi- um, switcher helper because of the delay. Go with that. Go with So, Matt, Matt it's, yeah. it is interesting, yeah. though, isn't it? I mean, there is a point at which yeah. you sort of don't want any radical changes, but maybe oh, you do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you get to a point like when I started doing stuff for TV and adverts, it was so important that I went to my machine, turned it on, and it was ready to go, and everything was how it was left, and I was able to recall certain workflows really quickly and that was really important when i was younger and before i started doing that it was it was different i couldn't wait for new 
things to appear um, in Logic. Oh, it's got a new reverb or it's got it's got new this. One thing that concerns me a little bit about this new Logic update, there's a new channel strip fader and pan controls that can be used for setting level and pans, I think, on auxiliaries. And, you know, things like that immediately for me go, I'm not going to update that if suddenly all my faders or my auxiliaries work in a completely different way for setting level and pan independently from how they were. Um, mm, so, yeah, yes, you want some things you you want to change, but some you don't want a surprise these days. And I, I tell all my students to turn off auto updates. You don't want to open up Logic one day or Ableton and then suddenly things have changed enough to slow you down um and and to get you out you know you've sat down with your cuppa and you're about to start your work for the day and you want to keep that momentum going what i am interested about more so though is the main stage developments what i really like about main stage and, and you mentioned this already nick is you know main stage has really come on as this as this app that I, I still think is quite widely underused by musicians, particularly in electronic music, music who want to go out and play live. They don't want to load up a DAW just to host some plugins. But now it's got it's got some serious integration with um, MIDI, uh, CC controllers, um, and playback, and it's got some really new, interesting rhythmic effects and and that kind of thing what i like about this it's kind of and what i've liked about ableton is because it is that crossover between creating a production in the studio and then you can pretty much get up and you can go out and, and perform live with it in that it's 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 a playable daw as well as it's a a, a composition right. yes yes that's true uh, and what you've got here with main stage logic have kind of separated that you've got logic as your compositional and then your main stage is the the kind of performative world for it and um yeah i think a lot of my students are surprised when we start talking about main stage and what you can do with that and they go oh really well you know that suddenly solves so many so many things for them when they want to go out and perform live and use their favorite plugins or um or methodologies that they've got already working inside of Logic. So main stage is a winner, and I'm really happy to see more and more things appearing in that world, more so than I am in Logic at the moment. I just want Logic to work. Wow. But let me I'm just, I'm just, go. sorry, I'm just looking. I just thought, what does it come at? It's uh, $28.99 for main stage. Is that all it is? Main, yeah. wow. main stage is an absolute bargain. You know, main stage yeah. is, is great. I mean, I'm not logic fan using logic at uh at version 10 because i just hate it and um and uh but it was main stage i think it's it's fantastic. i can't even think of if i did live stuff i couldn't even think about looking elsewhere um yeah and plus from I my think point this... view, it keeps helping me going yes Sorry, and I, I think i think the things that i really want to see is this more um particularly for electronic music, is this ability to use your DAW um, t more tightly integrated with performing live. The software is one element. Main stage is great. Ableton is great. But just integrating it still with hardware gear when you're playing live, um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more unity in that, particularly, you know, in my world, working with modulars and, and hardware a lot more. I just... Um, I don't know. I think there's the. We, I still feel like in 2018, we 
we feel a little bit behind on that in that technology that integration of software and hardware for live performance still there's still too many headaches headaches when you rock up at a gig and something doesn't work for some reason because of a driver or yeah you know, well absolutely it worked all right in the studio but not on not on the stage i just uh hold on i just want to p- put this one logical technique in the chat room which is that that's in uh youtube chat room uh says i bought main stage just so i could have the logic content and that's actually really true 28.99 you get main stage wow. but you also get 57 gig hard disc for full sound library installation so you get all of that sound stuff so if you're looking to kind of maybe maybe you're, if you're on a mac that is obviously that, that's 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 obviously a given but if you you think i need a whole bunch of new software just a uh, new sound instruments and uh, uh plugins and, and sound library to get me going 28.99 will get you the full that's not bad mate, that, that's not bad people are start complaining it's too people are start People will start complaining that it's too expensive. <laughs> Maybe. That has to be an educational <laughs> discount. Well, can I, can I, I just mention... Yeah. yeah, I'm just looking at that. I don't think I it think, is. Um, all Sorry, this, Steve. All the, one thing. Uh, oh, uh, who was going? Sorry. Steve was Sorry. Yeah, Steve was just about to go. Yeah, um, go, Steve. I was just going to mention something else. I'd, when we were... Um, we're thinking about the new developments, where we're going to go with DAWs next... Just overlooking the uh, machine learning thing for a moment, when I was um, first sort of studying computers as an adult, not as a kid, uh, one of the things that we were taught to visualize to do with the internet is just imagine what you could do with the internet if there was bandwidth wasn't an issue, if latency wasn't an issue. Essentially that your computer would be connected to another computer as if it was on the same circuit board. Right. we're a lot closer to that now than we were. Now, I'm just wondering, maybe that's a next step. What about where the limitation of what we can do with our DAWs is not the power of our CPUs? Instead, we rent CPU, and a bit like you can do right now with Amazon and their server farms, but we can actually just connect to the internet and with almost no latency, or maybe even no latency, have access to essentially unlimited power that I think would be an extraordinary uh, uh, facility that you could maybe use within a DAW. And I don't, and, and this sort of thing, I don't think is that far off. We've got five G coming. Uh, I think it would be the end of next year, maybe this country, but it's certainly around the corner. This is a mobile data connection, that's, yeah. and that's promising cable speeds across the air. It's going to revolutionise um, at least the domestic market for internet connections. Just that one thing, what maybe that could do for music. I think that yeah, that's might a good be point. The way forward. Well, that me. combined, that combined with VST Connect, which the, I mean, yeah, I've, the, I've the never, Steinberg, I've the Steinberg thing that we, yeah, the Steinberg thing that didn't course, quite deliver yeah. yet. Yeah, great idea. Always tried to get it to work. Great, fantastic idea, and how they've, you know, but it's just it just never works. It just never quite works. Is it combined with what Steve was talking about? Um, that could be that could be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I t- I totally get that. I mean, I think. I mean, there are. I mean, certainly in the video world, and in. I mean, in logic. There used to be things called logic nodes where you could run them as sort of. What, what were they? VST yeah. extra VST process. I can't remember whether that still even happened. No, I don't could, think. So. That was that was offloading. I think processing power to another Mac, so you could ha- essentially have two Macs connected together with one doing the processing and one just doing the sequencing basically but i right. think now 
with the leaps and bounds in technology, we we don't really need it. Um, can I just say one thing on the on the content? You talk about you get all that all that content just for getting main stage. I think we've got to eventually we're going to see a lot of this content just going cloud based. Don't you think as we move forward? I mean, um, native instruments. I mean, how big is that library to install now? It's 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's massive, isn't it? I think it comes on a hard drive now. It used to come on DVDs back in the day. Yeah. You can yeah. buy it on a hard drive. I think I think you can. Uh, can you download it? You probably can download it. So no, on may- the big um, well on. On the bigger ones, it comes on a, when you order it, it comes on a hard drive, whatever. But then after the event, you can you can download yeah. stuff again. Well, I think I've got well, one sen- of them somewhere. I think essentially that all also, the sample libraries. Oh, sorry. sorry I was time. only going to say the one thing. The one thing I was going to say, and I think Matt kind of touched on it, was the other thing is if people aren't aware of alchemy. Um, it's worth getting main stage for getting all of the rest of the content just for alchemy. Cause alchemy was a, a synth a few years old now from camel audio. That was, yeah, that's right. You get that as probably, well. It's probably one of the best software synths out there. I mean, it was, uh, I, I bought all the libraries for it. I used it all the time. I know Robbie did Robbie. Both of us were absolutely gutted when it, um, it disappeared as a company and Apple bought it up. But now bearing in mind that it is seriously still one of the best software since you get it in main stage. I mean, it's 28 just... quid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. I think you're right though. Cloud-based Matt. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Doesn't it just totally makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, all, all the content anyway for main stage and logic comes down from the cloud when you install it anyway. Um, but for me, I've really, I've, I'm, yeah, I've gone pretty much cloud-based. I'm, I'm using um, the one by Loop Cloud by Loop Masters. Yeah, that's a good basically one. For the grabbing con- that's a good one. I know there's sounds.com. There seems to be maybe a little bit of a race at the minute for for these leaders in in, in digital content being available available in the cloud in the future. Maybe I, I think that's certainly going to be a trend. I mean, and I, that that's I all good. Relate. I suppose so. The, that's good. I mean, but then what we end up in the situation is, and we, we sort of are already really, because I mean, if the internet goes down here, I mean, can't do anything. All our documents and all our emails on Google Cloud, uh, our entire service runs on Amazon Cloud stuff. You know, we, we get to the point where internet is a basic necessity, you know, like electricity, phone, water, gas, you know, heat, all those things. And you have to have that to be able to even work. So, but that's, that's perhaps another argument for another time. But yes, I think we are getting there and it will be there. And it'll just be a question of whether you can afford the kind of backup uh, of the audio you know so whether you've got your 5g router that can flip from cable to back again and what have you um fellas thank you so much i think we've uh, we've 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 uh, we've probably well, i haven't covered all the topics but we've had a good damn good run at it <laughs> and uh, um, i want to thank you very much I, I don't know if anyone has anything specifically they want to add before we wrap up because uh, i know we missed out a couple of topics but uh, it feels like that might be a good place to to wrap things up I'll take that as a yes then. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Um, before we go, uh, before we go, I want to say, uh, don't forget, if you want to enter to win the copy of Isotope RX7, we're looking for the hashtag audio repair and the hashtag RX7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's the hashtag audio repair to at audio repair and the hashtag RX7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So it just comes to wrap up and uh, say goodbye to all our guests. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure as ever. You sounded like you were about to say something. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say something actually, um, just as anything else anyone wants to mention, I know that we've already had a, a, 
a, a plug for Isotope and RX-7. But I got it last week and I was playing with it ever since. I've not used it in anything like production-wise, but I've been playing with it. And it really is uh, an extraordinary piece of software. And the thing that I found most interesting with it is the ability when you make um, instrumentals from finished mixes of, let's say, you know, commercial releases, you can hear what's going on in the arrangement that was otherwise masked by the vocal. You can hear more detail of what the producers and the uh, ah, musicians okay. Interesting. Had, uh, had, uh, had played and, and how they wrote the tune. So on a educational level, if you want to just discover how tunes are made, it's fascinating. It's like you're you're dissecting the DNA of a piece of music, and, and for that alone, I would recommend it to everyone. Ah, good thought. Thank you very much, there, Steve. Okay, um, well, we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, also, Mr. Matthew Hodson uh, at matthewhodson.com. Thank you for joining us too. Been a pleasure as ever. Um, nice one. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been great on the show, and nice to speak to everyone in the chat room again today. No problem. Always a pleasure to have you. And of course, Mr. Ty Unwin, who's had a couple of that hours off and some time in the daylight. Look at that. I know. Back to it now. So. Ah, really? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. Yeah. Well, thank, thank we'll you very be. much. That's been great. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for those in the chat room uh, on YouTube or on Facebook or wherever. Uh, so that's it for this week. We'll say uh, goodbye. I'm just going to make sure I can switch off the... Uh, the, the Facebook live video. We'll see you next time. That's episode 552 over and out. <laughs> Bye-bye now. <laughs>